This is Angus from the Kirby's Kids Podcast, and you are listening to my dudes, Brett and Sean, on Gaming MBS, episode 363, being recorded October 18th, 2021! Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad y'all here. Sean, how the hell are you, man? We had a week off. We uh, did. Yeah, I feel rested, relaxed. I killed something and ate it, so that makes me always happy. So uh, how, how did you survive without me? I uh, I ran games and streamed on the weekend, and that's kind of it. It? Yeah, well, I didn't do too much. I oh, okay. took a breather. Did you? I don't know if I did anything on Monday night. I, it might have been yeah. literally the the Monday night we were supposed to record. I I literally probably didn't do, probably literally verbally, orally didn't do anything at all. Did so those uh, new co-host interviews didn't go so well. That the, one, the one interviews. <laughs> the new co-host. The new co-host. No, no. Oh, there's no substituting the Brett. Oh, thank you. Thank they all, besides all the applicants, didn't have the the initial B in their name. So, yeah, that's a problem. We've, uh, I mean, see, I, per- I purposely did that. I yeah, made I sure that the, the initials were there. So he's <laughs> the first, you know, that piece of the alphabet. Then you're kind of out of luck, you know. I got a double B. Last name is B, too. So that's right. I got this shit covered. That's right. But hey, so I, I want to thank Angus for. For introing oh, yes. this episode, thanks Angus. Go out and check nice. out Angus's um, podcast, uh, the Kirby Kids. Is it the Kirby Kids podcast? Yep, Kirby's Kids podcast. We'll put a link. No, Kirby's in the yes. Yeah, Kirby so, is in Jack Kirby. It's a comic. Correct. Book, right? I was just going to say, yep. So I was going to ask you, Sean. You know who Jack Kirby is, obviously. So there yeah. you go. I I am not. I you're not am savvy, not you're not comic, savvy about it as I am. Yes, yes, I'm not comic book guy, but I am also not completely ignorant. I see. Yes. Very good. Yeah. So I obviously was not gaming while I was out because I was hunting. So how? what did you play? Excuse me, what did you play? I played since we met uh, or last talked. <laughs> since we met. The last time we talked, I played... Forbidden Lands and Cyberpunk Red because we had a break. Oh, yeah. So Cyberpunk Red still trucking along, and then Forbidden Lands is becoming more interesting. I think. Very good for the group. Yeah. Awesome. So I uh, also picked up a couple things to up my game a little bit. I think. So uh oh, what'd you get? S- some system agnostic tools, if you will. Like, what'd you get? I got the Tome of Adventure Design. By Is that Cobalt? Frog God Games. Ah, Frog God. Okay. That's okay. Matt Finch. Quality. Lots of tables. Yeah, That's going to be quality stuff. And then uh, the Ultimate Toolbox by AEG, which oh. is 400 pages of that's a goddamn that's the that's a tool chest that's oh. one of those big um snap on garage mounted toolboxes man that's if i can't get any ideas um i either will 
reference something or read it to in, get some inspiration. So I'm pretty If psyched. that doesn't work, I'm going to take your dice away because right. I don't know what else to do with you. I should probably, <laughs> yeah, well, that's why Sean usually runs published adventures, but I'm trying to you know, break yeah. out a little bit, branch yeah. out, touch. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So besides a um, uh, hunt. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Brett, what have you done gaming wise? Um, Gaming-wise, I worked on some new Streets of Avalon stuff that I'm doing with Encoded Design, so I'm working on that. So that's going along well. Um, meeting with uh, Chris on that on Halloween. We, we and I are going to talk that morning, get some updates and status, and see how things are cooking along there. Um, Gaming-wise, got some did some kind of prep slash internal organization stuff, which will lead into the topic today around... Um, my Greyhawk game because I'm going back. Didn't play last week, so this week is back to Greyhawk. So that'll be fun. The guys are getting much closer to the tomb. So uh, it's it's been good. It's been pretty good. That game's been a lot of fun. And AJ's been... Uh, I was really proud of my son because he got... He had two of his buddies from back in Richland Center um, where we moved from. His uh, high school buddies like, hey, would you run D&D online for us? So he went out, found a bunch of uh, Roll20 free images, and do, 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 grabbed all this stuff, and he set it up, and he ran uh, a one-shot for his buddies at Roll20, and he said it was great. I was uh, also very flattered because he came down and said, hey, I'm going to do this thing. <clears throat> you laid out how you wanted the adventure to work, high level. It's a caravan. I don't know how to make it interesting enough. I said, well, so I gave him a couple ideas. He's like, oh, I love this stuff. And he took my ideas and ran them. He made them his own, of course. But he took my ideas and was able to run with it. So that's kind of cool. When someone takes something you give them, they do they do something cool with it. You're like, oh, neat. <laughs> it just feels great. That's when it's your own kid, especially a teenager that bothered to listen to me and do what I suggested. It's pretty cool. So chalk that up in the wind column. That's right. That makes me happy. That was cool. But other than that, man, I have not done much. Just uh, getting work ready and other stuff. But I guess I should say, so I... Sean called this on me a while back, um, a couple weeks ago, actually. I started looking at the schedule, i.e. Brett's schedule, and I there is no way on any God's green earth anywhere that I can get the Delta Green game done this calendar year. It isn't going to happen. I feel horrible. I feel like I let you down. And I feel like I let down our listeners. So I feel like a jackass because yeah. I really, really thought I could do it, and I'm looking at the schedule and I'm like, Monday record, Tuesday game with my game group, Wednesday, Thursday, Taekwondo, Friday, I need at least one day to, you know, act like I'm married and do stuff around the house and so on. The time I had, and then you called, you're like, don't forget, there's a holiday in there. Like, yeah, the holiday's short. And you said, but you take a week off in November for hunting trip as well, Brett. And I went, oh, fuck. I do, don't I? So, yeah, there's like no time on my calendar. And I feel like a douchebag. I'm well, really sorry, Sean. I was going to kind of uh, make a joke out of all of this, but <clears throat> I figured what? I would not. Well, Sunday. Go ahead and kick me. I feel down. Sunday, I feel bad. Sunday, I ran uh, session three of my game. And I was as I was doing that, I... The way I record everything, I brought up the recording, which is done in video, multi-track audio, mm-hmm. and there was no audio except for one person. And I thought, 
holy shit, did I just record literally <laughs> an entire session? Four sessions because oh zero, zero, one, two, three. Uh, actually, zero, one, two, right? And not have any audio. And so up until through that, I recorded the last one regardless. I'm going to record this anyway. And uh, people were like, well, then, you know, if you didn't record it, then, you know, Brett, he could just Brett's throw off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what's the point? Yeah, that sucks, Sean. You know, yeah. But so it turned out you salvaged it. I turned you? out that I did yes. salvage it. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was going to, in this episode, kind of say, you know, Brett, I didn't have any audio, and we're still playing, but I mean. And then he just hit me with the zinger. Hey, actually, <laughs> I do have audio. Hey, let me send you a download, you lazy bastard. Yeah. I'm still going to release it. I'm still going to release it to everybody as an actual oh, play. Oh, please, please do, man. Don't yeah. don't, don't disappoint. You don't be a disappointment. I already did that for both of us. So yeah. I, feel, I feel bad. I really do. This sucks. Well, so, I you know. I, could, I really thought I could make this work. I'd love to get back at, like, after the holidays type of thing. But what it just I'm sorry. I would just say that um at least you're not in the middle of a game and you know, hey, I gotta postpone it for three weeks and then we'll pick it up. Well that was the thing is I, then, I started looking at the at the reschedule and like, okay, so if I change, change, do this, do that, skip this thing, okay, that's great. I could get two sessions in and then I'd need a two week break and then I could get one. I'm like, this is freaking ridiculous nobody's going to want to play with this jacked up schedule. I don't want to play with this jacked up schedule. This is just dumb. Yeah. So. Nope. That's. I feel like a, I feel like a fucking loser, dude. Well, you know, maybe, maybe down the road we do maybe a one shot. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. You know, honestly. Who knows? Or, oh, or it just doesn't happen. I, I think if we had chosen a one shot, this would not have been an issue because I would have said one shot this day. I'm going to make this happen. Boom. Done. So. It's it's not it's not the end of the world. It's like I know it's I mean, we're I, not I, like we're not we're not saving lives. I appreciate that. It's not anything like that. But I just, we didn't I, sell we tickets. A, like no, you but we know? get a lot of really kick ass people who support us, and I just I feel like I let y'all down. So <laughs> so, well, so I do. We'll leave off with that. One thing I did forget is on the night that we were to record, I did get online with the Discord, and a few people had had you know joined like VC and. Feeling good, Lewis and Harrigan, and um, there's a few others that I know my names are going to escape me. Christ, I can barely remember the event, much less who was all that showed up. But, um, anyways, I think Jim might have too. So, anyways, so you 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 briefed them all that I'm a loser and that I, I know I never said I never brought. The, I, I mean, I think it was a matter. Sorry. I think some people do inquire, like, "Hey, how's Brett's?" efforts thing, coming along yeah. and i'm like well i the think he promised the thing he promised to do and it's failed at yeah that thing yeah i, I just think failing. he's gonna have a hard time i told people like i think he's gonna have a hard time fulfilling it because schedule sometimes i know brett better than i know he knows himself yeah not always but no i think there's a uh <laughs> there's a number of times i've known you now for over seven years and i consider you a very good friend obviously i yeah. wouldn't be doing this this long right but there's a lot of times, you know, off the mics, I've said something to you, you know, and you said, yeah, Brad, yeah, you're right. I should have known that. Or this is one of those times where I get to say on the mics, yeah, Sean, you're right. It's not about I being think, right or wrong, Brad. It's just. No, no, no. I, I think what we talked about it and I think 
if we do this again and we want to make it work, I think what we do is do a one shot or like two sessions and that's it. We bang something out faster because I think that's it's it's easier if we want to do it in a joint effort. So sure. Anyway, we'll I am sorry. Yeah, I am sorry. It's all good. It's all good. So um, anyway, that aside, um, game Hulk is happening this coming weekend. Yeah, as Thursday, we Friday, record Saturday, this. Sunday. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> so that will be cool. Sean and I are not going to be able to make it this year. But for anybody who is going in, running a game, if you're running a game under our banner, thank you very much. That's awesome. And even if you're going and just supporting, just going and supporting the con, awesome. I mean, I, I kind of I pulled my um, my going out at kind of a last moment type of thing. Like, look, I just made the call. I'm not going to do this. And uh, this isn't a pat on the back, but I told the guys, it's like, I don't, I'm not going to be stupid and try to ask for a refund. Take the money. You know, I know it's only one ticket, but you guys, you guys deserve to keep having good con. I want to be back next year. So I think Sean, our plans are still full bore 2022. Make it happen. So yeah, anyway, I, I would hope that we're not in a similar situation next <laughs> oh, year. God, no. And even if I we are things that may be causing certain people to not be able to go is kind of dissipated a little bit. Well, same here. I just, I, I'm hoping, yeah, just overall things need to get back to a level of normalcy. I'm hoping so. Anyway, let's see here. Anything else, man? No. No. Well, then, shall we? Let's yes. move on. Random encounter. Random encounter. Let's talk about something fun and not my failure. Segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. Got a few this week. You can start. You want me I'm, to I'm, start? I'm, I feel like crap you start i'm just gonna drink all right fair enough a savage world's gm responds to the end is near episode 362 says in the campaign i run there is always smaller story arcs i call chapters these could be everything from defeating a big bad to non-combat like discovering a lost city i never tell the players how close they are to the end of the chapter to avoid the metagaming aspect you discussed they will obviously know the end is near, but not exactly when. So at the end of the chapter, we will we discuss if they want to continue the campaign and start the next chapter or retire and start another campaign. This way I avoid the never-ending campaign while still leaving the option to continue in a world the players are really digging. I don't think this is a unique idea, but thought it might still be interesting to add to the discussion. I think that's a nice approach. I like that. I like that angle because there is there's power to having things end. Um, it's been said that if everything ends, that's what gives a thing meaning, right? If it goes on forever, kind of like the X Files did at the end. If it has a beginning, middle, and an end, then there's continuity and so forth. And I like this approach where the um, the chapters sound like Savage Worlds GM has this self-contained enough so that there's an opportunity to say, "Yes, that was good. You know what? Put that aside. Let's do something different." Or, no, we're not done yet. We don't think this story has yet been told. We've got uh, at least one more in us type of thing. I like this approach. I think that's pretty smart. Yeah, I think it's uh, – I, I kind of pose that to the Forbidden Land guys, just, but not consistently, not every session. And there isn't any sign of them at the moment wanting to hang things up. So I just see you in Keep a couple rolling. weeks and – you know, we're doing stars and wishes and they're coming up with the stars and, 
you know, the wishes, I think wishes are a little unique with that particular campaign only because, you know, the, you you come up with a wish and Sean either fulfills it or it's been brought up and he knows about it. No sense in bringing it up every session, I'm guessing. Um, but it's to me, it's like, you know, those guys come together and say, you know what, I'm done. Or one of them comes and says, hey, I want to try a different game or whatever. No well, you, well, you know, if they tell you that they're going to go play in Brett's campaign, that that's a lie because Brett has no time. So that's just that's a cheap cop out if they say that. So, you know, you know, it's they're trying to let you down gentle there. But time, you know, time. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Thanks, man, though. Thank you for the for the write in there. Yes. Fe Feeling Good Lewis comments on the same episode. Over the years, I've mostly DM campaigns that uh, last weekly or biweekly for one to three years. Not because a specific time frame has been picked on them, but just because that's what my group always did. I'm lucky to have a bunch of players that always end up loving their characters and want to see how they deal with the next situation they're placed in. <laughs> Excuse me. Sometimes they will spend multiple sessions in a village instead of adventuring. Other times they'll follow the action all over the map. I think not setting a structured quote-unquote end to an adventure or campaign helps with player immersion. I don't want them to feel like they have to check off all the boxes before the movie ends. Don't get me wrong, you love to build stress and tension with a clock ticking down for an event. That type of time constraint encourages a different type of desperation for the characters, usually not reckless abandon. So you ask, so you ask don't you uh, want to play other games and create more campaigns? Of course I do. But if my group is enjoying themselves and don't, wanna, and don't want the dream to end, so be it. Now back on track, I've played a few one-shots and it definitely causes me to equip my character differently and not play as instinctively as I'm used to. I'm, I'm not so sure myself that I want to see the sand in the hourglass deplete that fast. So how about an adventure, 3 to 8 or 7 to 13 sessions? I think this is enough time to grow the character and my character and play in wonderment, yearning for the next exist interesting experience. I need to know that there is a possible tomorrow for my character, therefore his or her choices will matter and affect their future. Or set session limits and schedule the end. If everyone talks about the game for months, and the inside jokes live on. It was done right. Feeling good about not knowing when. Thank you, Lewis. Those are some good thoughts. I like that. There's a, um, I think that's a piece. I don't believe Sean, I, you and I called out but the uh, kind of the immersion, the feeling of living in the moment as a character type of thing. Like the, the story is happening. And, and, um, and I think that may well have been, I think feeling good. Lewis just kind of, outline something I should have called out, but I, I think that definitely plays for some play for some players and GMs. Not knowing the end, having that illusion or understanding that it could end at any time type of deal. No, I like that. I think that's a good perspective. Thanks, Ben. That's good. Yeah. Go you, sir. Thanks, Lewis. All right. So Spook408 writes in Another great podcast subject. This is about the end is near as well. The end is near or how to wrap up a game is something I've been thinking about. But the real dilemma is not when it happens, but how it happens. The when plays into it for sure. Those who like the game will be sad. Those, those who don't will be excited to move on. Let alone a regular adventure, which is hard enough to wrap up. But against the backdrop, the job is just plain tough. As a game master, I want to leave a campaign on a high note. Don't we all want to make that last night memorable and satisfying? Of course we do, but they rarely are. To this point, I have found that the most memorable moments uh, in games are rarely the last night of a campaign. 
generally they fall into two category categories, dumb luck and inspired moments of role play. That is the stuff of legend, not the campaign's denouement. Den- Den- denouement. Denouement. The ending. The ending. Yeah, the I big don't, thing. The big denouement. I don't do it. No, I don't speak of the French. <laughs> I, I, I fake it. Carry De- on. Yes. Occasionally things like this happen at the end of a campaign, but in my experience, not often. Why do I care? Well, I want to wrap up the story in, satisf- in a satisfying way. Not completing it is just unsatisfying. It can be short, uh, short story booked, but that is rarely memorable. And how do you do that without the players losing agency? To reintegrate what I said earlier, endings are tough. Why? For better or worse, we compare tabletop role-playing games to books, movies, and TV shows. And clearly they are not, but we still try to force them into that box. It would be like trying to hold an improv group to that standard, which would be lunacy. Now let's see. Now let's look at that metric. How many books, movies, and TV shows have that satisfying ending? Not many. Another way of looking at that is how many great shows don't stick that landing. Battlestar Galactica, Lost, and every Anita Blake book I read. Well, until they become became something else, but that's another issue. Wrapping up a long-running campaign, well, is tough. If I am being truthful, most campaigns I ran faded or were abandoned, which, is, which has left worlds of unfinished business. Many are the grand sweeping stories that I have tried to tell that were never realized. Oh, well. I think the question is really how to wrap a campaign well, wrap up a campaign well. For the first time in years, I'm running different uh, three games, and I hope when their time comes, I can solve this elusive problem. Of course, this might only be my problem, which is a definite possibility. I'll tell you, I don't think it's your. I don't think it's just your problem. I think the how it ends, right? It's tough. Endings are hard. Ask any author, writer. Who does that stuff? Endings are tough. You get going, you get going, you get going, and you're like, wow, this is going to wrap up. You know, we've talked about this over the years. It's probably worth bringing the uh, topic back, Sean, is the the endings, right? I've run endings in campaigns which are downers, just depressing. When they're done, you're like, wow, I think we maybe did the right thing, and the pile of bodies was the right idea, you know, or whatever. It's... uh Sometimes it's the total party kill or whatever the case is, and things end weirdly. And I think the um, – I had a thought when you were reading this when we when you said, for better or worse, we compare RPGs to books, movies, and TV shows. I'm wondering if we – if I know this is probably – it's not for you and I to decide, but I'm wondering if as a hobby we need to stop doing that and just compare it to itself because I don't know anything else that's like it, quite frankly. Or compare it to another form of, you know, where we actually should start comparing it to RPG video games or something else that's closer. Because a book is, in one way, an author would tell you, I didn't know how it would end. I just wrote and I didn't play. There's some planning involved. There's writing. There's editors. There's people that try to polish a product. Any of those things, movies, books, TV shows, they all have a process of polishing. We are creating stuff on the fly. No matter what we're doing, right? Because we don't know exactly what's going to happen unless you absolutely railroad the fuck out of your party. Um, how It's really hard to find, to say, this will be the really cool ending. And wow, they did something they didn't plan for and that ending fell apart. 
So yeah, I think if I were to go through the multiple decades of running, I could probably, I had a, probably a lot of bad endings in there too. I think. Or at least not as exciting as I wanted them to be. Right. You think what? Sorry. I think as Game Masters, there is a big uh, pit that we fall into, pit, pit trap, trap, fall into a trap, but a pit trap. Um, and that instant is... Super, instant super tennis. Yeah, super, yes, instant super tennis. And I think the biggest one is when we have a story to tell as game masters. And many of us know this and we try not to do that or we are in denial or we need to have three paths and we plan and plan and plan to kind of like, oh, the middle, the middle path goes straight through. The right and left paths go around, but they still come out on the other end. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, with these books that I've bought and the way that Forbidden Lands is really kind of, and it's so funny because Forbidden Lands is not, it's not this crazy, amazing game, right? It's not, it, it it's a great, I like it. I appreciate it. It's a great game to me, but it's not like this revolutionary RPG, okay? Yeah. But it has opened up my eyes personally because I don't run it linear. I don't have, I mean, I ran um, one kind of site that is an adventure and a published kind of scenario piece of it. But one of the things that I'm really trying to get around and why I mentioned these books of adventure design and, and the toolbox is to get out of the kind of, um, here's here's everything that's happening. Right here's Curse of Strahd. Here's Rave, Ravenloft. Here, you know, here's Strahd. He's running around, and eventually you're gonna have to face Strahd, get some things to kick Strahd's butt, and then everything will be great. Like that's yeah. that's the thing, right? Instead, just putting like even getting out of the hey, this is a combat encounter. Like getting out of that mentality and just saying here is what's going on. Yeah, here's an encounter. What happens? If you turn it into a combat encounter, that's on you. Here right? are some options. You hear yeah, people yeah. above. You've got this path. You've got that path. You've got this, you know, wherever you want to go. You tell me, and they can come up with whatever rationality that they will have in choosing that path. And I know some game masters are really, really good about doing that, and that's been in their back pocket since they were wee lads and wee lasses. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot that have a hard time not getting into that frame of mind because they do want the grand epic. And in order to get that, they have to have these things and pieces put into place as a plot, knowing maybe having reservations about you can get to those in a different way by just putting these situations in front of the player characters and allowing them to 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 grow them into the big holy cow moments right you know there's a there's something you said there that made me think when you said game masters have a story to tell sometimes that could be a pit trap right yes i think that can be equally the same for players there are players who have a character who's going to, who wants has a very specific story for that character to tell <clears throat> right 
this story, this character is built to have this redemption arc, or this character is built to have this particular thing. Sometimes it comes with complicated backstories or whatever. And depending on the style of game you're running, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But I have um, much like uh, if the game master has a type of story, depending how they do it. I think some of this is in the, the devil's in the details, right? That's what you're getting at. Sure. And it's a very similar thing. I think players need to have that too, because some I have heard this bemoaned is that I. My character's story wasn't finished yet, and the campaign ended too soon. So, okay, everyone else has to make sure that your story was satisfied, even though all three of the other players were. Or I, it, it's weird. It's it, there's ways to do it, and I think there's um, one of the keys to that. Just off the top of my head, Sean, I think is the ability to improv and change your goals. And not get married to any one particular answer, which is similar to the question we had before is like, are there any wrong answers? You know, are there any right answers? When you have a character who has a specific goal, if that character doesn't grow and change along the way, they don't ever have the opportunity for that goal to modify in any way, right? But a person could say, wow, I had a redemption arc. Turns out. That actually wasn't my character's story. I thought it was, but it was this other story instead. Much like a good game master saying, I thought we were telling the story about how the dwarves and this hobbit would kill the dragon. Turns out the hobbit went down, talked to the fucking dragon, and he went out and some guardsmen had to kill the dragon. Because that's what happened. Right? And I think being open to those... It's a great story. I should tell. It's an idea. I have it's an idea. Um, anyway, <laughs> see, uh, I, I think being open to those opportunities to change our goals helps a lot. Does that make sense? It does. And I would Excuse go me. further. And during session zero, if you were going to do a more than four session campaign, you know, and it's going to be this ongoing thing, you sit down and go, okay, we're going to play this for, you know, as long as a year or whatever. I wonder if we were to ask the players as part of our kind of expectation setting or whatever, write down on a piece of paper when you think, without knowing anything you've ever adventured through this, you know, maybe after characters are done and generated, when do you think is the end of a campaign for you and your player character? Yeah, when uh, what's, uh, what's satisfaction or yeah, yeah. Is it the the da- you know they'd be like, well, I don't know when it's whatever you call it a day, Sean. <clears throat> no, I mean, is it the death of your character and it's done? Is it they sail off into the sunset? Is it getting the big, you know, artifact? What what is that for you? What would fulfill that? Hey, the campaign has completed in my eyes. Now that could change granted like much yeah. but i would be interested to find out because i wonder how many different types of responses you would get and what type of campaign that would turn into if you were to say yeah if this my player character dies i'm done another person would be like i want the big epilogue at the end what regardless yep. of what happens right now how many people ask the uh, game master for their stars and wishes right yeah. Right. It's not, and I'm not bemoaning anybody who doesn't, but there's another player at the table, and that person's the game master. In some games, it's, uh, we've talked about this before, there are some games where that line is very, very blurred or non existent in different roles and approaches. But um, sometimes the, the GM's like, you know, I would really, 
I love what this group is doing. I would like to see what they would do with this challenge. Right. Right. And if that challenge isn't in your list of things that you thought would make your character complete, maybe it was the game master's thing that would make the game complete for that person. So there's a lot of give and take, a lot of give and take. Stars and wishes a game master supposed to participate. It, oh, awesome. Very they, cool. they're, I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah. They're just another player, but it's a completely different angle, right? I could take yeah, their feedback and just suck it all up. I, once I start putting down stars and wishes as a game master, it can turn into well, I really wish you guys would role play more. Or, I oh mean, yeah, they're, they're, the good it, things it, are all like you guys are doing great. You know, I, I liked how you went into the combat instead of like not going to the encounter I laid out for you, like a linear adventure. Yep. Right. I like how the fact that you guys didn't turtle up, you took yes. it, you took advantage of stuff and so on. Yeah, it's the devil's in the details with a lot of stuff. It's like the how you know to go back to. Um, the other, the other note is, how do we do this? And that's, I think that's what we've been talking about for seven years, Sean, is the how, right? <laughs> it's the details. It's like, and how works for Brett is different than how it works for Sean. And that's also depending on who in the hell we happen to be running for. What and how at this game table for Brett is different than the what and how at this other game table. Right. Because the player mix is different. The <clears throat> expectations can be different, all that stuff, so. Good God, are we anywhere near a topic track here? All right, next one. Anyway, thank you for that. That was very good. Spook408, thank you, thank you. What we got up here? Oh, yes, I think I am here. Stephen O emailed us about meeting in a tavern, episode 358. Hey, guys, long time, no write-in. I got a bit behind on my podcast listening. I'm finally catching up. God damn it. Just stay stay on target, man. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, thank you for sticking with us. I mean, there's, there's no... Uh, People, have, I'm just gonna take a quick aside. People have um, told us before, like, "Oh crap, I'm behind on the episodes. Oh, I need to catch up." That's fine. Life happens. It's totally cool. It's it's just it's really cool when somebody does say, "Hey, I finally caught up," or "Hey, I'm listening to a back one." Doesn't matter. That's cool. Any feedback you have, if you go back in the catalog anywhere, and you think, "Hey, I'd like to say something about episode three or three, Hit us. We're totally fine with it. Don't don't feel obligated. To only be current. It's totally fine. Anyway. He continues, yes, I know I'm a little late to the party, but I want to chime in on starting in a tavern trope. Yes, I both run and played with the tavern as a starting point and wholly agree that something needs to happen quickly to get the party out of there and keep them from using it as a quest hub. As you mentioned, it's very easy for things to go off the rails with distractions. It's also difficult sometimes for characters to have a bond um, with the generic tavern beginning. In a campaign I ran for four players, I had a small starting solo encounter for each one separately that quickly tied together so they had a shared common bond from the get-go. The other thing I did, which I'm also trying to break, or excuse me, trying to tweak, my apologies, trying to tweak, is an attempt to, uh, it is attempted a way to generate a character that leans into the player natu player's natural tendencies instead of just picking a class because the party because of party need or perceived strengths, etc., my wife, who was new to D&D and only played healers before, was the one I tried this approach on. During her introductory encounter, I had various weapons, scrolls, items scattered around the room. She heard a voice in her head saying it could help her. She had a uh, down child with potions nearby, and the event occurred. She asked, what is your character feeling? What item weapon does she grab, etc.? When, when all was said and done, she was a barbarian. The whole thing was a bit clunky for the first effort, but I'm working on it. Next time I'm thinking of starting off a party, starting a party off as conscripts in army and putting them through boot camp to see what they end up as. Just something different from some tavern from <laughs> from the same of tavern trope. 
As always, keep up the BS. P.S. You guys should get playing Warhammer Fantasy RP. If you're not playing the wrong game and get off my lawn, Steve or like <laughs> Steve, I like that idea. There was a um, first edition AD&D had this zero level adventuring. There's a couple uh, the Greyhawk campaign hardcover that came out, which was the uh, bridge between first and second edition, the first one they put out there. And there's an adventure into the Maelstrom or something like that that was zero level at play. And that is one of the cool things about Dungeon Crawl Classics. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up, is that you start out as a plebe. You're just some punk, per- new person. And by the time you're done through the funnel, whoever you have left, that's what they are, right? That's your character type of thing. That's the idea. So there is something cool in that when you, instead of having somebody, well, I, I always play the healer, unless you really like doing that, you know, Doing something a little bit different, having a different approach to it. I like that. That's that's a good way to break a person, a player's perhaps natural approach slash trope that they've built for themselves. I like that thought. I know you said it's a little clunky there, but I, I say keep at it, man. If that's working for you and having a good time with it, I bet you could hone that particular character building tool and you could really make something out of it. I like the way that sounds. What do you think, Sean? Yeah. I like it, though. I think it's cool. Yeah, it's good. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. Absolutely. And commenting on the forums, source of some of this stuff. Let's get into the main topic, shall we, Brett? Let us do that. All right. (laughs) All right, Brett, what are we talking about tonight? I was gone for a week. I don't know. I'm kidding. So, so the, I want to talk about um, keep yourselves organized um, as game masters. And so kind of summing up some of the feedback on Discord and other places here. Um, let's see here. Uh, Matt H. is using a highlighter in his books, sticky notes and bullet points. Kevin using Google Docs or Notion, notebooks, note cards. Akadokin is using Notion. MeWe, Facebook groups for comms. Jim, index cards. Um, though not great for referencing th- things quickly, using uses for tracking logs, spreadsheets for XP and treasure. Harrigan's got random tables, skimming modules, and taking notes. Mind maps, Kanban style index cards, and bullet point style um, for at fingertips for the games. Pink Coder is a fan of Trello, using a board to organize campaigns as a player. Uh, they use Google Docs and use sections for characters, NPCs, loot, and places. What started this off, they're just kind of a quick, just the plethora of different things people are doing and told us about. Uh, Jim in our forum post, I got a link out there to it, had a My RPG Index Card file. And this is a, a method. This isn't like an index card RPG. It's not that thing. This is using index cards to capture, track, and manage ideas, notes, and so forth. And it looks wicked. I don't know if it would, I don't know if I want to do it. But I have read your post, Jim, multiple times. I'm like, damn. That's fucking cool. <laughs> and when I say I don't know if I want to do it, is I don't know if I could if I have the wherewithal to stick with it, quite frankly. But I think it's worth reading through. I think it's really cool. And what that got us thinking about was how are we organize our campaign, our sessions, etc. And is there any you know what are we doing, even if it's um and if it's not working, you know, are we doing something that's not working that we need um that we need to fix something. You know, and how much of it might well be a matter of having to use tools um, and just practice it. And that, 
again, I thought about Jim's post there with his the RPG filing system, index card filing system he's got, Sean, and I thought, man, I wonder how long it takes to master that. Because from what Jim has written in on that post, it looked, there's some really, really great way to capture stuff, but I wonder how much practice had to go into that if it was just natural. So, so Sean, when you're organizing campaigns and like what, what's going on now and when you were looking at and um, the Delta Green game and your for, Forbidden Lands, are you using what tool or tools you're using? Just uh, what's in your head? You're memorizing stuff. What are you doing? So I am heads deep into Notion now. Okay. It took me a little while to kind of grok it. I mean, I mentioned to some folks and some individuals know that I've been, you know, I've Take it Sly Flourish's approach to the Lazy Dungeon Master. He has a template, and I started using it. Even even for Curse of Strahd, I started using it for that. For different games, it might take different shapes. I know some people have mentioned that as well. Um, I think it was... Acad- uh, was it Akadokan, maybe? Michael might have mentioned he was using Notion, but kind of tweaking the, the template for... The lazy dungeon master. So that's what I've been using because Delta Green's not D and D; it's not Fifth Edition, so it's a little bit Correct. different. But for note taking and and I'm a little bit behind the Forbidden Lands campaign and dumping things in there. But if I do it correctly and I put the things that I want in there, the and interlinking, which is very easy, it would make running a game so much better. As a matter of fact. This is where I think books, and if you're going to run a published adventure, this is where the shortcoming is with published adventures because they're not typically overly hyperlinked. The table of contents, maybe. So so let, let me stop you for a second. You're telling me that when you're doing, when you're using the Notion tool and you're doing it in the way that's most effective for you, which I think is like a quick aside that's the key here, right? Whatever tool you find, you have to make sure it's effective for you. Because if I effective I for try me it, is effective for everyone, for everybody. I I know. Okay. I know. <clears throat> anyway, sorry, sorry. My apologies. <laughs> I mean, you are the guy that got the Delta Green game to actually work, so I should be <laughs> take. I should be t- taking fucking notes. Is what I should be doing. Um, I should get a Notion board going just for that. Anyway, um, you're saying that when you do that, though. Do you feel that the game runs better for you when you're doing that? Or do you know or do you know that it runs better for you? Or is it just simply <laughs> and the reason I'm asking this is some I mean, sometimes how do I say this? Sometimes shit's in our head. We're like, yes. oh boy, it felt really good. And sometimes just feeling good about how the session went because I felt prepared, I felt like I had answers or something, it can be half the bloody battle, right? Right. So so over to you. What do you think? So the answer is no, it does not make things run better completely. No, it's a fucking point, Sean. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Which is true. And I think it also <laughs> no. comes down to one of the things you mentioned was uh, practice. So with the Delta Green game, there I put in 47 NPCs into Notion. And for a variety of different reasons. But what I find is, is once I can get it to a point where I want it and with the details that should go in there, I should only have to use Notion. I, I, I probably won't even have to use a virtual tabletop if I don't want to. I won't have to pick up a, pick up a book. 
to include some of the rules. Like, okay, we're going to go into combat. Well, I'm just going to put in some combat rules here. Like, okay, initiative. Okay, dodge. Okay, uh, it's, you know, sanity. Put those in there very briefly so that when I have to reference, it's already there. And the reason I find it more to my liking, and if I practice it, the reason it doesn't work, I'll tell you why. The reason it doesn't work is because I will bring something up in Notion and it may not be completely fleshed out where it is in the scenario. And with Delta Green, I'm running a scenario. So I have to kind of understand when they question somebody, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the nuances of giving those details or not. And I did with a majority of the NPCs, I just put in bullets, knows this, knows that, can, here's what but they won't with, divulge with, unless they yeah. pass a check. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. And with the practice piece, if you keep at it, you may, you, you're fine. What you just said is like you found some pieces that are shortcomings based on, I didn't put enough data in, is what you're telling me. I could have put some more stuff in there and it would have made it more useful. So the practice aspect of it is Sean, Sean finds out that I missed one, two, and three points. Guess what? Next time, those three points will be in there. Maybe you'll learn you missed a fourth point. Change yourself up or whatever later on. Okay. Yeah. I like that. The, 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 the biggest <laughs> advantage. And the reason I think that it is, it needs to be the future of linear published adventures. And I've said this before, maybe it was on a stream, probably not on this show, is that when they write, when you write a book, there's a beginning, you read left to right in the English language and a majority of languages out there, you know, beginning, middle, end, blah, right? Adventures don't work like that. D&D no, and RPGs, it's all over the place. And yeah. so when you buy a linear adventure, even if it's okay hyperlinked, which is usually never the case, it's usually the table of contents, maybe a monster stat block at best. Well, even, I mean, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, I, I bought the Uber Mega version of it on my shelf, right? It's split into separate different paperbacks, right? Right. Chapter by chapter by chapter to make it easier. But even then, I'm still flipping through the chapter. To find stuff. Because so what it's I think, not what you, relational in its, it's organization. It's not relational. It's, it's not a relational database, which is what it needs to be. I need to find everything about this person right now. Yeah. And when yeah. you got it relational, you can do it by location and individuals because Notion does not care. It's kind of a, got a unique syntax markup thing where if you create a page, it's an entry, and you can just at symbol <clears throat> the page. So when you talk about Brett, I can go at Brett, and it automatic links to the page called Brett. Brett. There you go. And so if I say Brett is going to be found in this room, then I can call that room or that location. I can have a page called locations, NPCs, player characters, magic items, and everything could be relational. So when Brett goes, all right where how did i get to know where this was and i could just go into notion click on it and and there's a backlink on brett's page it says well it's where he found it whatever and i could do it on the fly as i take notes and i could do it for prep so for me personally it is invaluable and it's not something that you can easily find a wiki a wiki has similar type of markup and you can do that but I find then you have to memorize the tarp type of markup that a wiki has. Oh, it's bold. It's italicized. It's got these wired brackets. And then it's like, you know, single quote, single quote, word, is, single quote, you, single quote, crap, simple, whatever. Simplified, more intuitive. It is. It is. User-friendly-wise, it's far and beyond. 
If I'm right, um, Pink Coder, when they mentioned Trello, the Trello boards are very similar. I've seen Trello boards. I haven't used them in a long time. Um, I've been doing project management for a number of years now. But that totally makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Now, let me throw this at you. So from my side, because I'm making shit up, right? I don't have a published adventure I'm working from. I don't have that that linear <clears throat> beginning to end piece. Um, what I tend to do when I'm running my standard thing, which is um, a campaign that Brett, Brett has made up in one way, shape, or form, however I'm doing that. And because of that, I don't often know what the NPC's name is, who they're going to find. A lot of that stuff comes up as you go. I did that in the, um, the game I ran for you in the Third Floor Wars group. Sometimes it's like, Craig, give me a name for, hey, I need a name for Roman. I need, you know, pulled some stuff out of you all. But what I'm doing then is using a legal pad or some notebook like for that session. And then what I'm doing is as I come up with NPC names, I write the name down and put a dash next to them. And that And that's the name dash that says, you know, sticky buns seller. I need to know that because I asked that specific question. Then as I develop the personality of that person, whatever's happened, if there's some key note I need to have, like happy, sad, doesn't like Sean's character, right? Because that's what happened. <clears throat> I scribble that down quick. And by the end of the session, it's, a, it's full of location names. It's everything that I've created with the group and I have created together and what and all those bits and pieces. At the end of the session then, depending how long the campaign is going to go, knowing that one, I was only two sessions. I just kept the sheet of paper as it was and then used it for the next game so I could just reference it, you know, back and forth. But what I do for a longer campaign is then take that from whatever garbage notebook no, notes I have, and it goes into the notebook, which is a fake leather bound book I have where I put in, I take that stuff, reorganize it, and then just write it down so I have the names. And then that's what I reference in the next session. But then I keep kind of a junk notes that I would take and I recopy the important pieces. And as I'm doing that, then I often remember, oh, yes, this person is that's where they found the gold pieces. That's where the boy, poison dagger was. Oh, yeah, was killed by, you know, Roman later in the day or whatever the case was. So I have found for me trying to type my notes as I make stuff up is too slow and clunky for me. Grabbing a keyboard going tickety, tickety, tick, tick, tick. It just it throws me out of the game, the moment, or whatever it is. The pen, the paper in my hand is so much faster for me to scribble the note down and then just get moving. So that's what I do. I do both. Now, what I'm saying is I think if instead of taking it from the scribble pad to another notebook, if I took it, went to a notion board, I'm bleeding. Um, I had tattoo work done. You, so you got to get something, I'm man? Like, no, I'm, I got it. You sure? I'm just leaking. Yeah, I'm just leaking. Um, Brett had some ink work done, folks. Yeah, about four and a half hours, and I just start leaking a bit. He doesn't typically anyhow, wrap his arm up in cellophane, so. No, not normally, no. Um, anyhow, point being is that instead of putting it into the second notebook, like the master notebook, I could easily go to a, a, a Notion board mm -hmm. or a Trello board and punch it in there because what you're telling me here and what I know about Trello, huh, that ability to make it a relational search as opposed to because even then if it's a long campaign which i do run with my home crew instead of going which page was that on which session did they remember that in what is it did, 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 if i could just say timmy the toolmaker, boom oh they met timmy 
on session three and here and here and here and here. Cool. That's where that data is. Thank you. Good grief. I can't believe I couldn't find that because that happens. And I think there's something um, back in the old days when I played vampire every week, every Saturday, blah, blah, blah. I just remembered everything. I can't do that anymore. I probably got gotten old, got too much crap in my old man's head, and I just can't think of it all. But I think I like what you're saying there, where if I take my scribbly notes, I can still do that because it's faster, and then I can take my time later to type it in. That's where my practice falls down. Is that if I do not schedule myself time, I say, hey, you know what? On Monday's lunch break, right? I'm gonna take these notes or this day, or this day, or whatever, making sure that it gets done before the next session. That's the, the tricky bit, right? Is you've taken the scribble notes, or at least I do, and then I end up having to keep those longer and use them as the actual referencing notes because I didn't transfer that goddamn things. And then it's even harder to find stuff because it's in a clunky stream of conscious mess, right? It is a... So... I, uh, I do... I type in real time the Delta Green game. Do you? I do. I and I, I well, don't you, use you're running it on you're you're running it online though, so I bet you that's easier. You know? I'm just gonna ask you before I answer my own fucking question. Is that easier because you're running that online? Would you type them up in person? Oh, that's a good question. I don't I don't know, and it may depend on the game I'm running. Delta Green is a little unique only because I'm doing it constantly to keep up with what each individual is doing at any given time and what they're divulging of themselves. Right. So if they're ah. talking, right. So they're talking okay. to the police, are they identifying themselves as FBI agent or not? Oh, they're not to the police, but they are to somebody else. Good to know because then the NPCs have different trains, perspectives of and viewpoints. Exactly. Yes. Now with, Forbidden Lands, I I have El Lego legal pad, and as we're playing, I'm just writing in this thing, and then later I will transfer that stuff into Notion. Couple things: one, it's in the moment; it's just easier to write, and mm -hmm. you know, does the trick. And I don't need the details like Delta Green necessarily, but I could take this info later and transfer it into Notion, which will then allow me to keep like memorizing it'll just reinforce what's going mm -hmm. on and some of the moving parts within forbidden lands which may not be a ton but it's more because when i'm in notion i think when i transfer the stuff from the legal pad over to notion then it turns in it goes from transferring it to prepping the next session at which i yes. would i could do in notion so it's like I'd this one way, it's like a weird one way street with Got it. Forbidden Lands, like presenting it out of Notion, going to the notebook, and then eventually back in. But. The last time I ran a long campaign online was with my home crew. I ran, my, I ran an Avalon game. They wanted to play with Pathfinder rules. So that's what we did. And I kept, I said, I'm already online. I have my keyboard right here. I'm just going to take my notes that way. It was wicked fast. I did not feel like I was interrupting the flow because we were all staring at a computer. People would chat or we type commands in to roll dice or here's the name of the NPC or I grab something and I'm using the mouse and the keyboard to put pictures up and do things. Now, granted, in my, in my game room, I have a TV that I can Bluetooth to and I throw images up as I've talked about before. But taking the notes in person, I feel 
more comfortable on paper. But I do like the idea of, because even there, when I was taking the notes and typing them down, it was more of a quasi-free-form, semi-organized Google Doc. But the idea of uh, a searchable relational database thing of, of Notion or Trello, that type of searchability, I think is wonderful. We have talked about that on the, on the uh, mics many times, where the pain in the ass of a big adventure, the old school thinner modules... I don't remember the challenge of flipping through a big book before being so challenging that it was annoying to me, quite frankly, um, because the usually when I'm running a published adventure, it's pretty small. Massive published adventures like the big D&D ones, I don't run them. Right. So that was one of the draws to the uh, the Beetle and Grimm, the the big Rhyme of the Frostmaid. I wanted to do it, but ooh, they're at least in smaller not pamphlet size, but much more digestible, easily search for me, um, visually searchable. Cause it's not a 300 page, 200 page thing. It's a smaller, smaller piece. Cause I remember the old, the older modules for all the event, all the different games I ran, even the old Cthulhu modules are pretty short, pretty easy to flip through. You know, when the adventure is 20 pages long, that's not that hard to find, you know, but when you're talking about a larger one or, the Delta Green one, because that one isn't long, but there's a lot of people in it. And I think that's where I'm willing to bet that people who are really good at organizing and keeping Call of Cthulhu adventures, Delta Green adventures organized, are probably better at it than I am normally. Because if they do that stuff, like if they run a published Cthulhu adventure on a regular basis, they probably have a, <laughs> this is just, I'm just thinking out loud, folks. I real I think whoever's doing that, they are probably really good at it. Whatever their tool is of choice, because the sheer number of people you end up talking to, that the players are going to look back at you and say, "Hey, what was the name of that one security guard at the Acme, you know, shotgun factory?" What? Yeah, he said something. You're like, "Fuck." What was that guy's name? Or, hey, what was the name of the lady who was at the library that time when Miss Winslow was out sick, you said? <sighs> That's Meredith. Oh, where did she? And she said she lived in town, didn't she? Good Lord. You know, well, it, it happens. It's not only a that. Lot in those games. It's not only that, but within Delta Green at times, Call of Cthulhu, maybe modern, even D&D, you could have this happen is, is the the timing thing. So I got into timekeeping, which I think is an interesting topic. I brought it up on Saturday during a live stream. And if you if you keep track of some of this in real time and the stories that are shared or what the player characters are conveying and the NPCs and the interactions as time goes on I guess what I'm trying to do is all right, they talked to this person at about this time, and I can make a note of that. And how did they talk to him? I mean, were they jerks? Were they, right? Yeah. So I make those notes because in the future, I can have that come back to them, either in a positive manner or a negative manner, and I can determine when it happened. So especially with Delta Green, it's like at oh, noon. Oh, yeah. You could, you could twist it around, too. Like if they come back within a half hour, you were a dick to me a half hour ago. Fuck you. And the horse you rode in on. Right. Or, well, that was a month ago. I'm really sorry. It was pretty stressful. I remember you like cigars. Well, 
Also, <laughs> also with that though, if the NPC leaves and has a certain impression with the characters, they don't just leave into a black void. No, not if you want the world to keep moving and have it seem realistic, right? They so are maybe interacting. they go back and talk to somebody and they do something, and then all of a sudden, what happens two hours from when they talk to that NPC that they might forget or was in the previous session? I did that to my kids the first time around Call of Cthulhu for them. They push their luck too far with the one clerk of courts type of person, and that lady shut the entire building down to them. They were rude to Mabel. That was it. <laughs> they lost all access to that to that place. They were bummed. Oh, we shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. Well, you did it, and this is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I like that. Yeah. There's there's and an then, instance I can say this because it's not a spoiler, but there's an instance where there's four player characters in my Delta Green game, and they're out in the country, kind of poking around, and they're literally off the side of the road, and the police come up and stop, and they're kind of like, I think the police are watching us. Squad car pulls up, asks for identification. Three of them pull them out. One doesn't. Okay. All right. You don't pull. You don't have to pull out your ID. He's not gonna. He could have arrested the person. Could have called up for backup. Could have done all kinds of things. Yeah, could have made life hell. Nothing. Ahead. I'm sure. Brett, as sure as I'm sitting here, I'm sure nothing's gonna come from it. <laughs> Yeah, what what could go wrong with that? What could a winkity wink wink? Yes, what could go wrong with that? I think the other thing that's important is when we're talking about taking notes here is part of the practice component is learning what's important to take a note on. What's important to have from an organizational standpoint, and this is the tough one for me. The as I'm designing and developing, setting a world or whatever it is with my with my friends and we're, we're gaming, we're developing stuff on the fly, character names are popping up, NPC names are popping up. It's important for me to have the names and that type of data. The NPC stuff is critical for me because I don't have a book to go back and find it in. I don't want to say, ah, shit, no one remembers the stable boy's name, so his name's Jimmy today. Or it's Sally. I don't fucking know. It, it, you feel dumb doing that. Places, names, obviously very important but i think one of the other pieces that you touched on which is really important i shouldn't say really but equally important is the the things that the player characters did to and at and with those people places and things right when they were there what did they find what did they miss right because if you know at the bank there's a safety deposit box that has the key in it because somebody left a key in the safety deposit box, they could go in there and they could actually get the, a real clue, but they didn't do the two steps to get the, you know, or whatever. They missed it. They chose not to look. You could say they missed the free safety deposit box clue. You can take those type of those type of notes. What did they do? How did they do it? And what what were the what's the outcome or even lack of outcome sometimes like, you know, the outcome being. I should say progress or lack of progress or however you want to, however you want to note it because, and again, this is where practice is going to come in is you're rolling through this stuff and you go back and say, you use notion for instance, and you do your at Brett and say, okay, they talked to Brett. Fuck. They, oh, the players are telling me that they told Brett X, Y, and Z. I don't have that note there. I didn't think that was important. I vaguely remember it. It's a mistake, right? Not as bad as Brett not being able to schedule shit. But it's just a mistake. So 
go ahead and figure figure it out at the time. Remake it up, um, uh, retcon it if you need to, whatever it is you got to do, and take that note. But the key there is to learn from that piece, from learn from a little bit of practice that, oh, I missed that thing. And Sean, you, you uh, talked about that earlier with your use of Notion where you didn't have certain components to it. You're like, oh, I needed this extra piece or whatever it is. And the key is to not, you know, make the same mistake twice if you don't have to. Yeah, there's a in that in that case. There's specifically a table that I made of all the all forty plus NPCs, and I tag them. So you could tag, you know, just tag them, you know, witness, tag them, cop, you know, whatever, family member. And what happened was I didn't filter that down based on who I, who is kind of interacting with. So if I went to a particular NPC or a group, I could make pages that would just display just the cops. Yeah. I could have a page that would just display the witnesses. Instead, I've got too long a table. Now I could apply a filter to that table, but that, that table is going to change every time and I'll have to futz with the filter every time. So now I've learned going forward you know, hey, instead of making one huge massive table, just make the huge massive table, then make other subtables that that filter it out based on what those. So if somebody says, "Hey, we're going to go talk to this witness," I already know they're a witness. I can just go. To, I don't even know need to know their name. I already go to the witness table page. Yeah, and then that entry is linked to a page that I can. Oh, they're talking to Brett. Click on the Brett name. Yeah. One of the things I started doing in my notes, in my freehand notes, is at the top of the sheet of paper, I'll say session to this date. Yep. And then everything in there, whenever it gets reorganized, it goes by date and session number connected to it. Sure. Because, granted, I'm not using a notional database at this point type of thing, but I can then say, when was that? What else occurred? I have pieces and parts I can say, oh, that's all That's all in session two. Everything that occurred there stays within that blob, right? And I have also in my notes, a name is underlined. If it's a name of somebody or a place, it's underlined because that's always important. Sure. The other thing I've, I've learned that for myself and the games I'm running is that personality quirks, tips, tricks, how you play them, blah, blah, blah. If I say lisp or fast talker or scared it's a word it's a bullet point i used to do try to write a lot of stuff like the personality blah. i try to give like this little quick little half a paragraph like this is too much shit just bam 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 right the three key things because then it clicks in my head and i'm off and running i can get another piece is like if the pcs if a pc's pissed them off i'll be like mad at sean yeah you know eileen made her mad she will not trust eileen's character will only talk to harrigan won't talk to Harrigan, we'll only talk to, you know, Susan or whatever the case is. I note all that shit down. So that way, you know, when I'm like, oh, this Lewis has never talked to this person. Okay. Talk to him, you know. And when that and then I get to do something like, hey, do you know that Harrigan bastard? Oh, I hate that guy. You know, because the character decides to go off on him or something with Lewis. And does he choose to use that? How's he and all that stuff? But anyway, those components, the the relational things are the things that matter to me. And it, and if it is an important clue or something that I think is plot pointy, right? Like they found an artifact or they found a thing that will get circled by me in my notes. So it's, that's in the circle. Names are underlined. Everything else is freeform. But that's 
just uh, from what I've, excuse me, what I found in physically writing it down that works for me because it grabs my eye. I know what this, this, these symbols mean certain things, right? Circle means important clue piece. Underlines mean names that are important. Dude, I would, I I could set up Notion. I could set up Mm. a very, very basic Notion kind of format template thing. And I could just say, here, just try this thing quick. And somebody will, very simple, like don't get too crazy, right? And as Mm. people get it and they fill it in and they understand how it works, I'm telling you, it it'll it'll be like, well, I've used I use mind maps for one campaign I ran. It's the same thing. The only difference is there is no lines and boxes and circles. That's it. It's just the reason words that and they're linked. And the reason the reason that helped for me was because for whatever reason at the time I wanted I needed slash wanted the visual of how things were connected. Yep. And I don't get that visual output. Fair. Right. And so, again, that's just another way. And you could probably, we could take a notion and turn it into that in one way, shape, or form. They do have plugins. I was going to say there's probably (laughs) plugins. I don't know if they have one that does that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Because, and and I'll I'll do Phil Vecchio and Proud here, is that as, and having been a former PM myself, project management tools like this are specifically designed to help you keep track of complicated, interconnected things. That's the goal of them. And for you to use them however you want to, you could use Microsoft Project to do this. There's all sorts of things you could do. Right. Um, you could probably make an access database if that you want, whatever, whatever you'd like. But um, I think there is power sometimes in doing it by hand. Myself, I know that by writing certain things down the way my brain works, that helps to stick it in my head. Sure. But I have found, so I wrote it down, but then if I type it into, like if I were to use Notion or if I typed it into um, a Google Doc or something. That It's a transfer of it. Again, that's just the thing I learned from school. In college, I had to do that. Recopy my notes was a great way for me to study, just to bring things back to my mind. So I can definitely see that working for a lot of folks. <clears throat> and if you go out to the forums, there's a link in the show notes to Jim's forum post about uh, my RPG index card file. It's wicked cool. And there's a cool thing that he's doing there that I think you could also do notion and other tools for like that which i think those would be that type of organized approach bullet journal something along those lines to keep your ideas together because sometimes as as gamers in general players and game masters alike we'll be struck with this cool inspirational thing we'll write it down like it's in my idea notebook right it's in the little black book in my pocket and then the little black book gets put down used and you're like oh where was that where is it i can't find it you forget where it is blah 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 so one of the cool things about having all of that stuff in one type of tool is that you can find it easier, right? You've got some cool ideas. You're not going to lose track of them and so on. So, but I think uh, I love seeing how different people do, what other tools folks are using. And I think that if we, old dogs can learn new tricks, right? It's not like we can't figure this out. And the other piece, I honestly believe this is, I like what Sean's been telling me about Notion. We use Notion to help organize the show now, and it, it does flow pretty nice. I'm like, wow, huh, I kind of like this. I can see some cool power in it. If I decide I want to try it for a campaign, I believe I need to say I'm going to use it for the entire campaign come hell or high water. Now, granted, that's like anything else. I could say, fuck, halfway through, it drove me bananas. I couldn't, I couldn't use it. I had to quit and go back to my old way because I was con- 
I was causing a problem at the table. It was confusing myself or my players, so I scrapped it. Um, if that happened, though, I know Sean knows how. I would come back there, or somebody else in the uh, forums or Discord is using, like Pink Coders using Trello, <clears throat> excuse me, or other people are using Facebook groups. You know, I don't use Facebook groups for that stuff, but if you're doing it, you're doing it successfully. How are you doing it? Asking other people who how are, are having good luck with it, like folks in our community, is a good way to get tips and tricks because practice does make perfect in some of these cases, but sometimes it's much easier to learn from somebody else's mistakes than to just bang your head on a wall for, for an entire campaign and, you know, feel like a fool type of thing. Huh. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see what other tools people are using. And um, there may be a finite, there's, I know there's a finite set that we're, we'll hear about, but I also know there's a shit ton of stuff out there. Right. And I, um, I'm really more and more interested in the electronic app stuff. How, how people are doing that and using the power thereof specifically, Sean, because of what you just let off with at the beginning of all this, which I think is, is quite honestly what has to happen. I, I hope to God that's something that um, as we hear Wizards is planning the next big thing, you know, for, for d and I'm really hoping that some form of improved electronic media so we can use some of these great toolboxes and adventures and great things that people are producing more effectively. I love my books. I love looking at them on the t- on the shelf, love reading them and so forth. But man, their game books are tough. They serve so many masters all at once. They need to be readable. They need to be fun. They need to be instructional manuals. They need to have Uber the, this detail, that detail, but not too much. I'm like, it's, it's such a tough nut to crack. So anyway, anything else, man? No. No? All right. So, folks, let us know how you're organizing yourself, how you're keeping yourself organized. Have you tried something that that is working for you? I always want to hear about it. And the other thing is, um, as we like to hear about, too, are things that aren't working. Like, hey, I tried this. And it didn't work. I found that. This, that, and the other thing. Now, it might. I'm not looking for to cast shame or dispersions on a failure. But what we're looking for is that, again, can we learn from that? And the other piece is that I may say something isn't working for me. But you may hear that and go, I think I could make that work for me, though. Just because Brett's an idiot doesn't mean I'm that stupid. I could figure that out, <laughs> right? Um, but I think there's there's something to be learned, both ups and downs in this stuff. So if you got any more input besides what we got from the Discord stuff, chime uh, in, let us know. Shall we, sir? We shall. Let's get into die roll. Uh, die roll, two to four miscellaneous points, game and a geekery want to bring to you. This week we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, it looks like. As I load them up, the first one that I want to talk about is Pendragon. The Pendragon yeah, Pendragon. King Arthur Pendragon Core Rulebook version 5.2. Uh, so you get the PDF now, and then when the print, like you get a voucher for the print, buy now and get a coupon for the printed version later. Uh, so there's that. So check that out. I, I, I don't know, Brett. Have you, are you a Pendragon guy? We've talked about this before. This is a game that always piques my interest. I'm like, ooh, I should. And I've got a copy of it on the old shelf. And I'm like, ooh, should I, shouldn't I? Oh, I have a PDF. Damn. I know. It's, it really, parts of it interest me. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. But it's kind of cool. I am. I 
I heard about the campaign thing. So I, I mean, the longer the pen, the Pendragon campaign. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, let's see. And then number two is that's not it. Let's see. This is talk about the um, in commemoration uh, commemoration of the passing of Greg Stafford, who was the founder of Chaosium. Right. Pendragon was one of his um, was one of his uh, great achievements. There are five uh, free new RPG adventures released by um, Chaosium. Yeah, so link in the notes to that stuff too. So there's Pendragon, the Adventure of the Great Hunt uh, of 2020, I think, and then 2019 Quest of the Red Blade, which is another Pendragon, Call of Cthulhu Adventure, the Lightless Beacon. This interests me because it's supposedly like an hour scenario, kind of a beginner GM. Yep, I've heard that. Yep. Yep. It should take around an hour to play. Then there's a Seven C, this uh, Sword of Kings adventure, and Rune Quest, the Rattling Wind. Yep. So yeah. And then the next one, Pathfinder Infinite. Thanks for. I think Akadokan might have pointed this one out. Nor was a beer leaguer. Beer leaguer might have been. But um, is this their uh, DMs, uh, GMs league type of thing? DMs league. Their DMs guild. Ah, that's it. Okay. If you'll notice, the layout seems vaguely familiar to what you might find on DM's Guild. It's as if one. It's as if one bookshelf was contracted to do some work. Drive through. It is so. If you do a reverse DNS lookup, you will find that the IP address of this site is the (laughs) same as Drive Through RPG. RPG. Shocking. There you go. Very cool though. Yeah. Honestly, that that's all those pieces. Like, hey, Paizo, about goddamn time. Quite frankly. Well, right. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm like, God. When I saw that in the notes, I'm like, they didn't do that already. Yeah. What the hell? So good for them. Good for them to do that. Yeah. They've got some good. They've got a good fan base. You know, like, good for them to support it like that. That's right. And then the next one is the Book of Ebon Tides. The five fifth edition enters the plane of shadow by Cobalt Press. It was minimum 40k first day, launched up to 70, so fully funded. Um, Cobalt Press puts out good stuff. So if you're interested in they that, do. you know, check that out. The next thing I'll put in there is a link to Notion, which is Notion.so. If you want to check out that tool, uh, entirely up to you. If you have any questions on Notion, let me know. Uh, I'm not the expert necessarily, but I could show you some tips and tricks maybe that uh, when you start out, you're kind of lost because it can be a little overwhelming. So... It's an organization app, and one of the hardest parts about learning a new app that's designed to help you organize is learning how it organizes things. <laughs> it can be tough. Yes. So. Yeah. And then lastly, but not leastly, the Ultimate Toolbox, which is one of the purchases that I had uh, that I got printed. And, uh, you know, it's not the cheapest PDF on drive-through, but I find, bucks. I find it quite valuable. I will. Very cool. It's worth me doing two scenarios, three scenarios, something, names, something I'll come up with. It'll help me out, and I will be like, booyah, Grandpa. All the money, all worth it. It's all worth it right there. I just made up my investment right on the spot. Bam, boom. There you go. Just saying. But anyways, that's, uh, that's all I have for this week. Cool. What are we talking about next week, brat? Talking about Saber Die. Saber Die! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goody. That's it, huh? 
Yeah, I've terrified a few, <laughs> few of my, my uh, first ed players I haven't played first ed in a while. Save versus poison. Or what happens? And Lane looks at him and goes, you die. No, oh, come on, Brett. And I say, you die. Holy fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to talk about, about that mechanic and uh, good, bad, ugly, and different and so on. So yeah. we'll get it. We'll see what we find out. All right. Sounds fantastic, man. Excellent. I have a suggestion, uh, topic suggestion on running an investigation game. Oh, we've done that a little bit in the past. I think it's, I think it's, uh, that is a perennial type of topic, honestly, because the more you do it, the more, the more you do it for the more different people and ways it functions and works and doesn't. Actually, one of the topics we've got coming up about um, uh, characters, um, limiting characters to maintain tone is directly influenced by an investigation game a friend of mine is running so yep ah. that's all tying together it's all coming together sean it's all another seven together. another seven years we'll have this shit we'll have this that, shit wired that's right well all right so that concludes this episode of gaming in bs we appreciate everybody that's shown up to see the re, uh, live recording if you aren't here you can catch us on our flagship show at your podcatcher of choice do search for gaming and bs that gaming and bs it'll show up Just hit subscribe if you're watching this or you come across this on the youtubes give us a like or a, sub- or a subscribe that would be greatly appreciated helps us get found on youtube that's a known fact otherwise i am sean and I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS produced with help from the following BSers. Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Merkel Froelich, Pure Mongrel, Brett Pazinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValley, Victor Wyatt, Craig Huber, Roger Braslett, Stefan Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Gleyman, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Maurice, Niall Diamond, Aaron Relia, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Balog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Cole Kago, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Phil McClory, Adam Grojan, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, Awal Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shorb, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Vornak, Farty McButterpants, Andrew Lear, Craig Chunglo, Eric Lunsford, Ty Prunty, Feeling Good Lewis, Ziga Paradzik, Nick Westbrook, and John Mahoney. BSRCon, Year of the BSR, it's happening, ladies and gentlemen. Head over to gamingandbs.com forward slash BSRCon. B S E R C O N. Registration for badges are open now. You have to buy a badge to submit an event. And an event submission is happening now as well. The con is taking place January 28th to the 30th, 2022 online. It's a virtual convention. We'd love to see game masters and players show up to play their favorite games or try a different game and meet good people. And remember, be a positive force in the tabletop RPG hobby. Thanks, BSers. This This has has been been a Litterbox Litterbox Studio production. production.